So all week long, while I have been studying this morning's text, this scripture, a line, a very specific line from a movie kept running through my thoughts. Towards the very end of the original Lion King movie, the animated Disney movie, the true heir to the throne, Simba, stands at the base of Pride Rock in the pouring rain. As a cub, Simba had seen his father, Mufasa, the rightful king. Simba had seen Mufasa killed by a stampede that had been orchestrated by Simba's evil uncle, Scar. Scar then tried to kill Simba to complete a violent coup and take over the throne. Simba escaped, winds up in the uh, care of the flatulent warthog Pumbaa and the snarky meerkat Timon, and he hides away in comfort for years with these two. Eventually, destiny, in a sense, finds him and calls him back to depose Scar and take Simba's rightful place on the throne. After this ferocious battle, Simba wins and stands at the base of Pride Rock in the pouring rain, un a little uncertain about what to do next. And then in that moment, the wise elder of the land, Rafiki, approaches Simba and gestures with his head towards the top of Pride Rock and says with weight of solemnity and joy, it is time. Simba climbs to the top of the rock, looks out over the whole of his kingdom, and bellows this gigantic, ferocious roar. Justice and order have been restored. The rain lets up, the clouds part, and, and the colors of the land come back. All week long, I've heard that voice of Rafiki. It's actually the voice of the actor Robert Guillaume. I've heard that voice saying over and over again, it is time, it is time. This is the essence of the scene that Mark records in our story from the Gospels this morning. The evil authority of the Roman oppressors in Jerusalem have tried to eliminate the voice of John the Baptist who had been crying out on the margins of society, God is on the way. John has been imprisoned and will soon be executed. There's a grim grayness that still hovers over the world. But then, in our text, God walks in. From the shadows of society in the form of Jesus of Nazareth, God appears and says, verse 15, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This should have been the moment when the rains let up, the clouds part, and all the wonderful colors of the land return. Jesus has proclaimed the gospel, the good news that the reign of God on earth is at hand. The problem is, 
Just as Simba's reign uh, wasn't good news for Scar and his allies, God's reign is not good news for everyone. Not everyone repents and believes and supports justice and truth and love. Jesus's announcement that the time has come is only the beginning of the eventual full reign of God. In the meantime, the battle continues. The battle still is being fought. Part of the work of Advent for those of us who believe Jesus is the Son of God is thinking through where do we stand in our relationship to God's reign on earth? What does it mean for us to repent and believe the good news? After spending time with this scripture and with God this week, I believe there is an important reason I kept hearing that voice saying it is time. I believe that the time has come for the white church in the United States of which we are a part to repent and believe that the reign of God is particularly good news for black, indigenous, people of color, and that we must act in support of this truth. Now, my favorite voice at Advent honestly, is Linus's from A Charlie Brown Christmas, reciting the words of the angels in the King James Version of Luke. When he takes the stage and explains to Charlie Brown the meaning of Christmas, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great, great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I love that part, particularly, good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. And I do believe that God's love wins out, and that God loves and saves all people. At the same time, God's love for all people demands change from some people, from many people for the way in which we live. Listen again to our Hebrew First Testament reading about the anointed one of God who will come. This is the vision that Isaiah had given to him by God of the anointed one who will come to bring the reign of God and what all that means. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he, he will bring justice to the nations. And to note as in just these first opening chapters or verses, especially the 
significant emphasis on justice. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring justice. He will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. He goes on later and says, I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people, a light for the Gentiles. The Gentiles were outsiders, especially at the time. That's important. This is for the outsiders to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Notice, again, that not only that importance on justice, that focus, but also who it is that is proclaimed will be healed. The blind, the incarcerated, those trapped in darkness, in dungeons. Those are not the healthy, the powerful, the strong. In fact, justice has demands on those who have disabled others or incarcerated others or tortured and tormented others. It is not good news for them that God's reign is coming. Notice what prompted Jesus to step out of the shadows and proclaim the good news of God. In verse 14, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Mark makes it very clear that Jesus proclaimed the same essential message as John. In fact, picked up where John left off because John was imprisoned. John's message got him thrown into jail and eventually executed by those in power. This good news of God's reign was not good news for those in power. It was a threat. Additionally, both John and Jesus proclaimed that this good news should cause us to repent. Now, the popular understanding of repentance uh, usually is something along the lines of feeling sorry for our sin, um, doing the, the things that we've done, feeling sorry about it. In a more holistic way, it means to change our way of living and acting and being, to turn away from those things that are opposed to the way of God, the way that God would have us live, and turn towards and live the way that God desires us to live, all people. In our text, that means doing everything in our power to support what makes God's reign good news, to live justly and to support justice, to heal the disabled, to release the incarcerated, to lift those sitting in dungeons. If this all sounds very political, it is. Jesus is proclaiming here that the kingdom of God is not just about matters of the heart and soul of individuals. 
As the great theologian uh, Lisa Sharon Harper puts it simply, politics is about how people live in community, and God cares deeply about how people live in community. Here again, Paul's words from our New Testament passage. Let no debt remain outstanding outstanding except the continuing, ongoing debt to love one another. For those who love others have fulfilled the law. All those other commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, whatever other commandment there may be are all summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. And do this, Paul writes, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us repent for the ways in which we have been living and acting and follow and support the good news that the kingdom is near. This is what Advent is all about. The night is reminding us that the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. We are closer to it now than ever. And therefore, what does it mean for us to believe this is good news? And for whom is it good news? John Howard Yoder is uh, another great theologian. He's a a Mennonite um, with a very strong history of pacifism and and peacemaking. And he has some important words for us to hear about gospel and good news. He notes that gospel has become a tired old word. For some, it means the invitation to an individual to accept the forgiveness of sins so that to preach the gospel, to evangelize, is to spread the message of this invitation. For others, it means correct teaching about the work of Christ so that, quote-unquote, evangelicals are those who hold to traditional doctrines. Elsewhere, evangelical simply is the current word for Protestant, and for still others, gospel represents a particular kind of country music. If we are ever to rescue God's good news from all the justifiable but secondary meanings it has taken on, perhaps the best way to do it is to say that the root meaning of the term evangelion, which is the Greek, would today best be translated revolution. Originally, good news, evangelion, is not a religious or a personal term at all, but a secular one. Evangelion is not just any welcome piece of information, good news. It is news which impinges upon the fate of the whole community. Good news is the report brought by a runner to a Greek city or a Roman city that a distant battle has been won, preserving their freedom, or that a son has been born to the king, assuring a generation of political stability. Gospel is good news having seriously to do with people's welfare, the whole people. He closes, for Jesus in his time and for increasing numbers of us in our time, 
The basic human problem is seen not in individualistic terms. The priority agenda for Jesus and for many of us is not mortality or anxiety, but unrighteousness and justice. Or excuse me, injustice, but unrighteousness and injustice. That's the problem. The need is, for, is not for consolation or acceptance, but for a new order in which men and women may live together in love. In his time, therefore, as in ours, the question of revolution, the judgment of God upon the present order and the imminent promise of another one, is the language in which the gospel must speak. What most people mean by revolution, the answer they want is not the gospel, but the gospel, if it be authentic, must so speak as to answer the question of revolution and this is what Jesus did. There are times in the life of a society when a course altering change can happen. There are times in the life of a society when a course altering change must happen. And I believe that the US is in a time where we must change. The past four years have revealed the rot at the core of our soul as a nation, the ugliness and the vile inhumanity of white nationalism has been unleashed and spewed like vomit across the country. We have created a social construct called white and used it to demean, dehumanize, commodify, torture, rape, kill black, indigenous, people of color for 400 years. It cannot go on because it is not the way of God. The reign of God in our society is good news to black, indigenous, people of color, and to all people who are poor, incarcerated, disabled, oppressed, whether physically, sexually, spiritually, or mentally. We, as a predominantly white congregation of followers of Christ, are called to believe this is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to repent of all the ways in which our works, our deeds, our thoughts have and do betray this truth, and then to live and do all in our power to support and strengthen and stand up for this good news and for those whom it is good news. The time has come. Thanks be to God. Let's